morality and liberal versus conservative. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the differences in the brain of liberals and conservatives. Yes, just like differences in the brain between men and women. You can find differences in the brain between liberals and conservatives. And it's those two are really uh, closely related. It's the, uh, the... See what I did there? <laughs> yeah, good. No, I mean, it's, it's a really good uh, metaphor example, but it is also happens to be related that women are more liberal like and men are more conservative like as generalities in terms of like testosterone because let's versus... let's uh give a little context based on our, our previous mm-hmm. uh we're not calling it podcast mm-hmm. but are we okay mm-hmm. sure uh the, our previous podcast the um so again of... rss feed i'm putting it on itunes and google play good just need an rss feed <laughs> uh but uh we're we were talking about autism and um, uh, how much did we get into how well, that it's the... Uh, Cherry 2.0. No yeah. warning. Sweet. Cherry 2.0 started, uh, 2.0 meaning on uh, our channel mm-hmm. instead of on the Honey Badger Radio channel. Right. So we had like uh, a season there and we have a se- the second season second <laughs> here now. Okay. And I do have the audio clips or the whole episode available as an audio on Patreon for public viewing, go to up there above me, I believe, patreon.com slash Anna Cherry, and you can find and download uh, and even get an RSS private link to play in your favorite uh, like audio RSS player. So all the episodes you can listen to. And we started our Cherry Stem 2.0 series with one or two two episode series on autism. Yes. Uh, and so I'm going to kind of go from that... Uh like, like you're, you're specifically okay. Before, well, as we prepared, I kind of prepared on using the context of, of autism and how it is. Sure, it, it I mean is. it'll fit in there. I, I have a whole right. flow. Too, and but. you are uh, you focus more on the uh, political affiliation directly, but I'm uh, yeah. going to try to pull together right. the links between political affiliation, yeah, autism, and well, sexual brain. I, I'm, I'm just saying what I need to tell them. Yeah, we do. <laughs> okay, we do. <laughs> <laughs> that's like under the yeah, no but that's okay, okay you gotta tell them what you're gonna tell them and tell them and so then tell what, what you told them what we're gonna tell you is uh, that humans are obsessed with morality and what the fuck is morality there's five foundations and then where morality is in the brain and then why the fuck are we even talking about left versus right in morality because that's what left versus right is mm-hmm. they're moral ways of understanding the world and there are differences between left and right in the brain when it comes to that uh, manifestation of those political beliefs in the brain, and autism comes into play, though I autistic spectrum because I will say it has to do with masculinization of the brain, which may not necessarily be uh, autism spectrum, or at least it may not tick all the same um, conservative checkpoints. Well, there's always good. Okay, there's always that should be interesting. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk. We'll talk about because okay. I've got I've got a lot of uh, good studies on good. specifically the brain areas associated with um, with autistic spectrum uh, and how it is that it, that links well, to morality. morality. Okay. Now those are are directly related to morality <laughs> okay. and differences in morality, and then yeah. uh, and then how those are related to political affiliation is something that I want to talk about. Cool. Yeah, as long as you have morality in the brain, because. Uh, oh, I have some, but I was oh, realizing that's what this that. is about. It's basically Perfect. two different modes of morality, and it's it, exactly. it, and a lot of it has to do with individual individual versus the group, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the uh, everybody kind of gets the whole point that that both are important, but then mm-hmm. how you mix the two 
is uh, is a part of the homeostasis system between left and right. Uh, I have a whole chapter on it. Good. All right, so you want to go first? Well, I thought we just... No, no, I mean, it's, it's cool. It's, uh, um, I would just guide the thing and then call on you for you know, things go. that fall, go. fall into. So basically do it like we done every time. Yes. Every time. Every time. Every time. Uh, Alright, so um, I'm distracted by this this warning that Don't. I have 13 bit rates, too too many from what they recommend, but I'm going to try not to. Uh, yeah, don't worry about that. Not to it's get distracted by it. Uh, out of 6,000. That's not something to be concerned with. Alright, so, um, alright, where are we? Here we are. And we do have. The only um, problem is the, the total bandwidth upload for two streams simultaneously, mm -hmm. but we should be okay. Hopefully. Hopefully. Let's see. I do have the encoder, and so far it looks like we dropped 1% of frames in the seven minutes of streams. So. One out of 100? That's not bad. We'll see how it works out. Now, all right. So, um, last episode specifically cherry stone podcast number 19 which you can find on the thing of patreon we discussed intelligence so we're like what is intelligence and uh and then we talked a lot about like creativity versus static intelligence and so kind of going from there the next question is well what is morality like what what is even that what what is it even um there's like a lot of debate about that particularly in the uh, sphere or current climate of atheism versus uh, Christianity or other religions. There's just a lot of, um, well, other religions like Islam, and there's questions about what is morality, who is, has it right, who's doing the right thing, who isn't. Uh, in fact, humans are obsessed with morality as, as mammals, as primates. We, um, that's something that primates do. They watch each other and they try to like divine motives for each other. That's what gossip is. That's what, you know, why we're, we're just, we're obsessed with morality and figuring out why people do what they do. And there is a moral molecule. It's oxytocin. We can talk about that later. Which is probably but, why. It, well, we we talked about uh, morality and game theory uh, in the while back, last, yeah, yeah, last season, I mm -hmm. guess. Uh, and and how there basically there is a reasoning. I mean, it, it's we kind of focus on what is the less known thing. Like it's it's uh, it's obvious that everybody knows that competition. Is, that was uh, it is valuable well. in a certain in, for for certain things that's been shoved down our throats from the, from birth. The competition is good. So talking about the uh, the reason why cooperation exists as a moral uh, standard uh, and how it uh, benefits uh, society and therefore benefits the individual and how how that works, it's it's basically a solution to a problem and it, it, it is a rational solution to a problem the whole idea uh, that it's an irrational agent that behaves uh morally is uh is just based on uh, a, a overly simplified viewpoint no, they literally call them an irrational agent if they behave uh in any way altruistically right. whereas that's not actually accurate in light of our new knowledge about the way in which everything from bacteria to and, you know, animals and how, how they all work together. It's just there's another level of complexity on top of the competition that leads to the just the rational, completely just dead rational solving the problem. There's nothing goody goody about it at all. It has to do with just solving the fucking problem. Group cooperation, so, evolutionary in, in, game theory, all right. of it relies on altruism and, and cooperation. So, so there are so there is this 
dichotomy between uh, what's good for the group versus what's good for the for the individual. And let me uh, just say for a moment, it's something that's going to be underlying just about everything that I talk about mm-hmm. is the idea of a homeostasis system. So mm-hmm. if you let me uh, just kind of divert for just a moment mm-hmm. here, there's one, one thing I wanted to point out. So so I'd like to, to, to try to get you to consider the idea that everything in reality practically is... Um, works via homeostasis systems. And what I mean by this is that there are mutual, uh, there, are, there are this union of opposites that constantly happen. I'd like to use the example of a um, uh, of an engine. And that is that, er, that we think of something as good or bad in a kind of a unitary fashion all the time. But that is simply, um, what you can do is get too focused on something. So like, for instance, when you think of an com- internal combustion engine, I'm trying, and hopefully most people kind of understand that they're listening, and that is, you know, as the, as the, um, the piston goes up and compresses the air, you know, you can think of that as a good thing because, well, it's necessary for the efficiency of, a, uh, of, of the, the next explosion that's going to happen. But you can also look at it negatively and say, oh, but we're losing all this energy to compressing the air. And then, you know, and then the opposite, when, the, when it's at the very bottom, it's like, oh, that's a, you know, it's a very bad place for it to, uh, to be at the bottom of the piston, you know, because of the fact that this, is, uh, this, this whole situation is uh, bad for an explosion. It would be very inefficient use of fuel. The point is, there's a negative and a positive, and the the the, the idea that it it's, is a, a constantly cycling, that homeostasis systems are cycling between opposites. Mm-hmm. In other words, and it is the um, it's the constant cycling between these apparent obst- uh, uh, opposites that drives an engine forward. You know, it drives uh, many many things forward. And so uh, so whenever like I'm I'm hoping to kind of talk about the negative aspects of so, an autistic spectrum viewpoint but at the same time also be bringing forward the positive aspects of it and trying to point out how there is this shadow between the two where there's both a, that everything I talk about is good I also mean is bad in a certain way and everything I talk about that is bad I also mean is good simultaneously almost every time that I'm saying anything if I'm expressing an opinion about how it is bad I am all, also completely aware of and want to say that it is also good in a different context and try to point this out that there is these this cycling between things that um i love that so much because in my um section on the left versus right brain uh leading up to it what we talk about there where the disagreement comes between liberals and conservatives is i will explain there's a great video on it and then the fact that you need balance Mm-hmm. And cycling between change versus stability, and there's a, a a lot of Eastern religions have figured this out. And there's a quote from Sen Sen, which says, "If you want the truth to stand before you, never before or against. The struggle between for and against is the mind's worst disease." So you are simultaneously, you know, well, yeah. when you are for something, you're also saying against, and and, and therefore canceling it out. Basically, there is no yeah. for and against. They well, the both thing exist. Is, is the, the point is to have them in the right balance. Right. I mean, it is important. Like a, an engine, if it has too much fuel, it dies. If it has too little fuel, it dies. Uh, if it, it if the pistons are all just stayed in di- exactly in the middle, the engine wouldn't work. And so there has to be a cycling between. 
uh, these polar opposites that are uh, that is extremely necessary. And so, and this is kind of a, an overall perspective that I've been trying to kind of hit upon in almost absolutely every one of these these talks. Is there's this this cycling between apparent opposites where there is something that looks negative that is positive, and something that looks positive that is negative because it is almost always both simultaneously because of the fact that in certain circumstances it is bad and in other circumstances it is good and both of them are necessary in the proper balance and in the proper cycle to drive uh, anything forward that is this kind of but union of opposites. But they're coupled is, and, and almost like a backlash to each other and I think a better metaphor instead of a piston because I think that may be hard for some people to wrap their mind around like me. <laughs> um, something like a paddle wheel or like a wind me a water mill or like paddling in, in, in the water where it's like you're doing some sort of like well it, it goes back to the whole idea motion. of growth and pruning like whenever mm -hmm. you've got a search algorithm you, you don't want to search directly down one line and you don't want to search every single path you know a little bit in every path because you've only got a certain amount of search time you want to have a balance between the two and you don't want it to be necessarily be just a direct balance but more of a kind of a, a, a um, right but, but what you were saying earlier about it, it almost described a backlash of uh, one political movement uh, pushing mm -hmm. the group in one direction and then everyone sort of overcorrecting back in the other way and something we had in in our notes uh, is uh, you wanted to touch upon how uh, Whenever you're guiding, uh, and, and this is something that we have, I have in notes as well to show how political affiliations have changed over the years. I just need graph. Well, I'm going to get specifically down to particular types of morality that are. Born. As you were said, you wanted to mention. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but a while back you wanted to mention that uh, whenever you're guiding uh, a group of people, if you're like on a narrow road on a cliff and you're telling them to go right, and those people that are like. Already well, going right, go too right. far can you, right. Can you talk more about that? Okay. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whenever you're addressing a group, there is this constant problem of like people, people walking along a path, and uh, you know that is narrow, and you're you're you know you're wanting. Some of them are going too much to the right, and some of them are going too much to the left. And when you start telling people, hey. You need to you tell, tell these people are going too far left. You say, "Hey, you need to go right." Well, they start telling everybody that you need to to go right, and the people who are already going too far right go even further right. And the same thing is true with the with the left. Can you kill that? Unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a there there is that that problem, of course. But uh, um, anyway, yeah. Yeah, it just because we're talking about like left and right, and we can see how uh, groups have changed over time, and there's been backlashes of one and the other, yeah. and they do sort well, of. The point is, is to get to, to like I, I personally to to put it in some context. Um, in, in my family, <clears throat> uh, autism runs, runs deep, man. <laughs> they're not. Uh, they weren't necessarily. Um, uh, Diagnosed with autism, but but uh, my, you know one of the things that, that both me and my father share is a is macrocephaly, uh, it's like the, uh, the a, a, having a big head. No no hat fits me, uh, and it's it's kind of a part of the autistic spectrum. But the uh, the um, but the other thing is, I mean, I, I was so completely. I felt like data as a child. I mean, I, I just did not understand the faintest freaking thing about humans. So, uh, as I uh, as I go in and criticize some of these people, things, celebrate are, that fact. Apparently, apparently, there there are um, um, there are things that were 
that are deeply uh, rooted in self-criticism from when I was younger that I, I will criticize about the autistic spectrum uh, thought process uh, because it has been part of my life process to find those things in myself. Not like you I, don't criticize the overly liberal perspective oh God, yes. either. Uh, but I do both. You should um, talk to me so much on a daily basis. Uh, so, but the, the, but the point is that as I get into some of the, the things that I find to be negative, a lot of the things that I was able to find that were part, they were part of my own growth process. I mean, I, I, I you know, I was always extremely good at um, uh, a wide variety of scientific topics, and you know, of course, but intelligence, <laughs> obsessive, right? Yeah. Intelligence was was something that was important to me, when I, and I and I, from an early age, I was able to recognize that my mother was capable of like running circles around my father in certain ways, yeah. uh, and but the, but she, when it comes to like any kind of mechanics, crazy and, men are stupid, right? <laughs> uh, and, and any kind of mechanical reasoning, any kind of uh, any, any sort of that sort of thing, uh, my father was far better than my mother, so I was able to see these. The, this kind of dichotomy between intelligence types, and I was able to recognize, you know, later in life, I remember hearing about, okay, women are better at, you know, one of the first ones that just pops into my mind, because it was one of the ones where it was, there were studies of specifically that women outperform, in general, uh, outperform men in, a, in in particular tasks, and one of those first tasks that I found was in naming words starting with a given letter. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there was, there was a variety of other ones, but I was like, so there's, you know, there's these types of intelligence that I want to be able to include in myself. I want to be able to find those places in which I am deficient and uh, and and bolster those specific areas. And so, I, you know, there's been a kind of a lifelong process of uh, attempting to to find in myself the, those deficiencies and find ways of, of fixing them. And so, I mean, as I as I will criticize some of the things about uh, the the autistic spectrum. Uh, which also has to do with right-leaning politics, which has to do with those sort of things. As I criticize those things, or does it? Um, it does. <laughs> uh, it, it, it strongly does. It has to do with masculinization, masculinization of the brain. It has. It's. Uh, but you can have masculinization of the brain without having autism. Without without becoming dysfunctional uh, in a certain way, but the the thing is. There is a level of, we have to go back to the, the whole idea of specialization. You're either an Olympic lifter or you're a marathon runner, and trying to be both makes you not as good as at either. And, uh, I don't think, what does that do anything? I'm just saying that. It has to do with specialization versus generalization. Right, so but we're talking about autism and testosterone, so it's like you may have uh, a masculinized conservative brain because of testosterone, but autism uh, may be incompatible with conservative ideas. In other words, people who are autistic do not actually hold any actual conservative ideas. They, yeah, they're autistic, but they're uh, not I'm religious. Have to, I'm have to see what you mean. They're not religious. They don't believe in any of yeah. the same uh, well, ideas that conservatives well, do. Mm, I don't know that I believe in that. Uh, I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to see your data on that because right. uh, that has not been my, my life experience, nor has it been the uh, experience of... And I'd uh, like to see your data because, you know... Uh, uh, of looking through these, these studies. So said, uh, it's uh, neither one of those things. I couldn't find... My uh, search for um, an answer to this was unsatisfactory, so I would definitely like to see you know, your yeah. data. So, so, all right, uh, let's get back to uh, the start um, of it. So, morality. Um, we mentioned how humans are obsessed with it, and uh, we have uh, five foundations of morality. So, this was uh, a research. Uh, this is actually, like, quantifiable uh, studies were gathered and uh, research across cultures, 
disciplines, and even species. It was all collated together. Try to figure out what the hell's morality. So it. <laughs> no, we're not gonna love that sound. Um, uh, so yay, people really like the fact that we collated all this information on <laughs> morality. So um, it fell into five general categories, or well, five very specific categories. But it generally fell into these these five categories um, that uh, people and primates and animals seem to be concerned with, or behave according to principles uh so these five foundations of morality are harm slash care so uh humans and animals seem to uh have caring behaviors and that as well as protecting from harm behaviors which is like underscores sort of like a moral approach to things so like do no harm like the ten commandments you know like do no harm mm -hmm. uh things like that, like mothering instincts you know there's their moral Morality is, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the nitty gritty of what exactly that is uh, on a anthropological and neuro, neuroscience level, but in terms of psychology, I suppose, or sociology, these are the five foundations. So, harm care is the first one. Then we go into fairness, reciprocity. That's another thing that humans and other animals really care about. And there's great research on this in, in, in rats and monkeys where they help each other out and they monitor fairness. Like, rats actually monitor what humans uh, help them out, and then they remember that human. So there's a lot of encoded. So the, the, these five things seem to be sort of underlined in our existence, um, in, in the sense that there's this idea of tabula rasa. I'm gonna back up for just a second. Uh, there's an idea of a tabula rasa, which is a blank slate, a literal translation from Latin. Yes, and there's a book by Steven Pinker called *The Blank Slate*, which basically is a uh, best-selling 2002 book that ended up getting a um, finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. And it argues against the idea of a blank slate. No, it shows that it, it very distinctly makes a case against Dabula Rasa and argues that humans, human behavior is substantially shaped by evolutionary psychological adaptations. And uh, there are very distinct ways in which we become uh, pre-programmed with some things that we can do really, really well and some things we can't do all that well that we learn. But there's definitely pre-programmed stuff. So morality in the brain, in the sense, and we have these five foundations that are across species, across disciplines, across uh, human cultures. So they're sort of hardwired. Um, so harm, care, fairness, reciprocity, uh, and then uh, next one is in group loyalty. So that's a thing. Uh, humans, uh, I mean, animals uh, usually have small in groups, and they are uh, most always family bound. But obviously, not always. You have like schools of fish and other things. But like whales are families, uh, wolves are families. Uh, what are the what are they called? Go groundhogs. They're families. So a lot of times when you have a tribe, it's just an extended clan. It's like Japanese people all up in here. <laughs> Asians. You have the, the the seven generations, and that's like a clan, a family, a tribe. Uh, humans are a little better at sort of gathering together uh, in not just families and, and gathering uh, into tribes, and they really like doing it. Uh, they would do this all the time for everything, all the time. Like in school, there's cliques, there's sports, there is constantly. Well, there, there's also multifamily. Uh, liberals versus conservatives. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we constantly organize ourselves into little groups, feminists, you know, whatever. But uh, while and, still having a able, able to exist in a larger group. Yes, but there is still a a desire to segregate and have us versus them battles. Yes. In sports, in a school, and like. 
all the time in human society. And it's it's that, fragmented into clicks. Yeah, I think that that is an important part of sharpening ourselves. Oh, the, this will get really interesting. Uh, and yeah, this is these are foundations of morality that liberals and conservatives hold, but they differ on. And mm-hmm. this is where the yeah. crux uh, is is really. Uh, so, in fact, I, this is a quote I just want to throw out there, which is great. Uh, it kind of changed my perspective on some things. That um, sports is to war as what pornography is for sex. That you get to uh, exercise this sort of primal... Yes. <laughs> love it. Favorite quote. I want to put it on a shirt. <laughs> so, uh, credit to a uh, person whose name I can't remember. Yes. We'll see him in a little bit uh, in a TED Talk. <laughs> uh, unless that's somebody else's quote. He certainly didn't attribute it to anyone. But... Um, Next one, uh, so that's the third, uh, in-group loyalty, that's the third foundation. Uh, fourth foundation is authority slash respect. So some sort of um, hierarchy in primates uh, would be a good example where you, you have deference to those that are above you and you show respect uh, or you demand respect from those below you and it's, uh, it's one of those uh, things that seems to underscore a moral approach to the world and is, once again, we'll, we'll get into love versus right because there's some interesting differences there. And the final fifth one is purity slash sanctity. So uh, a really big part of morality, of course, is we have this religious uh, battle. Atheism versus... Uh, so people like religious battle. Fight! <laughs> I should have worn my fight shirt. Um, so uh, th- there's uh, this battle between atheism and um, religiosity, religiousness, theism that go, well, well, which one is moral? You can't have morality without God, the, this idea. But obviously we, we see here with these five things that we come sort of pre-programmed with ideas of morality. However, liberal versus conservative, which does have a dividing line in um, relig- religious thought, is one of those things that is the fifth sort of purity, sanctity. Uh, it moralizes religion, moralizes what you can touch, what you can't touch, what you can put in your body, what you can't. Yeah, uh, that because goes feminism that goes for other harmful that you don't know why it's harmful, but you know they, right. So the idea is of purity and sanctity. Mm-hmm. So there are some things that you can, and this goes for cultures. This goes for uh, you know for you can touch what you can eat. If you can, if you think about it, uh, huge parts of uh, Islam and so Abrahamic religions, uh, yeah, Christianity too. If you consider shellfish. Uh, and, and pork, and then um, whatever, kosher, halal, all that stuff that is... Well, that's, yeah, Old Testament. Yeah, all of them have right. something that you, some food that you can't Judeo-Christianity. Right. Yeah, all of the three of them. History of like History of Judeo-Christian religions. People like history of Judeo-Christian religions. Or Galileo. I don't know which one. <laughs> so, uh, and that's, so that's the last sort of foundation of morality. So we have harm, care, fairness, reciprocity, in-group loyalty, authority, respect, and sanctity. Those are the five sort of things uh, that morality is comprised of. And when we get to conservative versus liberal uh, attitudes, there are definitely differences uh, in the brain <laughs> uh, between liberals and conservatives, and I would definitely love to get more into that. Uh, but we can also talk about uh, morality itself being uh, in the brain. Where is it? Where it's located? Sort of neuroscience approach. We need to talk about that because those two, two subjects overlap. Right. So also, um, let's cap off our conversation about morality uh, for the psychological sort of aspect by looking at the short little video. And hopefully the way I did this will... Oh, man, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm not I'm not at all paying attention to chat. <laughs> My bad. I meant to, but then I forgot. Um, there we go. Oh, oh no, oh no! Twitch chat is more cancer than YouTube chat. Holy shit! That's crazy. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rush. I'm so sorry. You are you were scratching your ass full and dark again. Uh, I'm very sorry about that. Um, we're here now. We're with you. So uh, yeah, my bad. It's my first time actually using this uh, system, and I totally did. So hooray! But uh, let's watch this motherfucker talk about some of this cool stuff, and uh, hopefully, I can get around the YouTube sh bullshit of having to pause it every twenty seconds and banana, like having to banana. Uh, it's the, the yeah. honey badger term for pausing every 20 seconds and then saying something so that it's like different to to fool their algorithm i know that sound is one of those things that so hopefully we don't get dinged on that and visually i know they look at your like feed so hopefully by um putting uh our little feed inside our bigger feed we can get away with it yes It'll and work. people uh on the podcast will hear it Hopefully, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe we'll see. It's yeah. I'm I'm streaming to two places, so as you can see, there's YouTube chat as well as Twitch chat because I'm doing both. Uh, so all right, where's the display capture? What? What the? What? Huh? Oh, okay. I'm just retarded. That's cool. All right, let's let's listen to this. But after my son Max grows up in a liberal college town, how is this first draft going to get revised? And how will it end up being different? The, the draft that he's talking about is the, the five, um, the harm, fairness, in-group, authority, and purity divisions, or uh, understandings of morality. From a kid born 60 miles south of us in Lynchburg, Virginia. So think about cultural variation. Let's try a different metaphor. If there really are five systems at work in the mind, five sources of intuitions and emotions, then we can think of the moral mind as being like one of those audio equalizers that has five channels where you can set it to a different setting on every channel. And my colleagues Brian Nozick and Jesse Graham and I made a questionnaire, uh, which we put up on the web at uh, www.yourmoral.org. And so far, 30,000 people have taken, have taken this questionnaire, and you can too. Here are the results. Here are the results of about 23,000 uh, American citizens. On the left, I plotted the scores for liberals. On the right, goes for conservatives in the middle of the moderates. The blue line shows you people's responses on the average of all the harm questions. So as you see, people care about harm and care issues. They give high endorsement of these sorts of statements all across the board. But as you also see, liberals care about it a little more than conservatives. The line slows down. Same story for fairness. But look at the other three lines. For liberals, the scores are very low. Liberals are basically saying, no, this is not morality. In-group authority, this stuff has nothing to do with morality. I reject it. But as people get more conservative, the values rise. Uh, we could say that liberals have a kind of a two-channel or two-foundation morality. Uh, conservatives have more of a five-foundation or five-channel yeah. morality. The only place where I care about at, it. Here's the data for 1,100 Canadians. I'll just flip through a few other slides. The UK, Australia, New Zealand, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, Latin America. So it was a little difficult for me to understand the graph at first. And this is also for people who are listening. Um, and uh, you can definitely watch the video. I will link it in the Patreon description. So we have the score uh, from zero to five. So this is like how much they care about it. And then liberals on one side and conservatives on the other. So if you look at liberals, they really care about harm uh, and fairness. While conservatives are like, they care about it a little less, but they also care about it. And then liberals are like, purity? Fuck that noise. Like, you know, sexual right. revolution, baby. Conservatives? So for conservatives, all five are like pretty up there. Right. For liberals, though, there's a huge divide between, like, what they care about versus what they don't care about. And the interesting thing is this is, like, all across cultures. So we go, you know, the USA uh, here. Uh, so 
So as you see, here? people oh. care about harm and terror They get high endorsement of these sorts of statements all across the board. But as you also see, liberals care about it a little more than conservatives. The line slows down. Same story for fairness. about grass. <laughs> but look at the other three lines. For liberals, the scores are very low. Liberals are basically saying, no, this is not morality. In-group authority, this stuff has nothing to do with morality. I reject it. But as people get more conservative, the values rise. Uh, we can yeah, say that liberals have a kind of a two-channel or two-foundation morality. Uh, conservatives have more of a five-foundation or five-channel morality. We find this in every country we look at. Here's the data for 1,100 Canadians. I'll just flip through a few other slides. Canadian, the UK, UK, Australia, New Zealand, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, Latin America, the Middle East, Yeah, basically whether or not these things are relevant South to morality. It's the question of, uh, are these things right. relevant? These five foundations, how, how much do people still care believe about that these in between things, the left and right? Do they believe that this thing is important to your idea of morality? Right. And specifically, he's saying that liberals believe that in-group authority and purity are not uh, uh, important to uh, morality, mm -hmm. whereas conservatives believe that they are. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. And, where, uh, uh, yeah. And what, what I'm actually re-watching uh, here uh, on mute uh, is uh, the interesting thing is that some of the countries, once you start, okay, we got, once you start cycling through them, some of them, like Canada uh, and others, have like a little sharp tick in the middle for moderates. Mm -hmm. So some countries actually have a stronger presence of moderates than others. Others are just like a fucking line, like there's nothing. But in some others, it's, they're like way, way kinkier than others. Uh, so I find that really interesting. <laughs> I said they're kinky slope is steeper on in-group authority purity, which shows that within any country, the disagreement isn't over harm and fairness. Everybody, I mean, we debate over what's fair, but everybody agrees that harm and fairness matter. Moral, moral arguments within cultures are especially about issues of in-group authority purity. Purity, and yeah. yeah. And so, um, right. So, um, there we go. All right. Where was I? Uh, yep. Disagreement um, comes from this in-group authority, in-group authority and purity, which we can very easily see as the debate over multiculturalism. Uh, then we have, which is in-group versus subgroup. Then we have, which is where we have a huge divide uh, between the two sides of the political spectrum. Then we have authority uh, questions, which is anarchy, uh, feminism, question authority, uh, question patriarchy. That's like the whole thing. And then we have the ideas of purity, which is where atheism comes in, sanctity, purity, atheism, and, and sort of sexual liberation. They're like, fuck that noise. So uh, it's one is change, and the other one is stability. So that's why there's so much emphasis placed on in-group authority and purity ideas and conservatism, because that is what keeps culture stable. However, the liberals are necessary to say, fuck all that noise, uh, let's start something new. Let's get all New Testament up on this motherfucker. Let's just not follow the rules. And uh, the thing, that, as I mentioned earlier, that the Asian uh, Eastern cultures have figured out, or religions have figured out, is that you need, instead of change versus stability, picking which one's better, you have a balance. And you go back and forth, yin and yang. They're not fighting, they're coexisting. Uh, preserve and destroy, Shiva and Vishnu, they're coexisting. Uh, Buddhism, uh, San Sang, which is, you know, you want the truth to stand before you, never before or against. So, um, where, so we have these approaches to morality that left and right very much disagree on. So what is morality? Where is it in the brain? What is happening? What, what is even anything? Oh, you're asking me that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay, so, so basically, uh, let's, let's step back just All a right, second. You're talking the, about um, the, uh, um, 
that dichotomy between uh, um, basically adaptation and stability. Uh, let's talk about that again in, from the whole homeostasis Real, um, perspective I'm, I'm because so that sorry. is really important. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Okay, uh, well. I'm going to just interrupt you for just five seconds. Um, <laughs> Just for a second. Just for a second. So we actually have uh, an after show for patrons. I meant to say this in the very beginning, and then I kept forgetting, and then I was going to say it again, and then I kept. <laughs> so we have uh, an after show for patrons. Uh, it is uh, only seven dollars a month to be part of our Cherry Stem uh, tier, and you get access to after show hangouts as well as the call-in show at the end of the month because we reached a milestone. We're going to be doing two of these a month. One is a call-in show, all of you guys asking your questions, shooting the shit. And then our regular podcast. And the after show is something that you get access to through Patreon up there. And for people who are listening, patreon.com slash Anna Cherry. And we have a video to watch, and it's going to be really fun and interesting. And it's about morality and how uh, all of that works and how humans sometimes aren't as moral as they think they are. And anyway, so go ahead. Okay. So going back to the whole idea that, that I'm going to harp on, the idea of a homeostasis system, uh, and trying to point out the uh, the importance of that both things are extremely valuable, and both things have to be done, and and they are apparently opposite. And that is, for instance, whenever you think about adaptation, in specialization, and in these types of, of things that have to do with, so if you're very adaptive, that means you're willing to change. Now think about what that means that you're willing to quickly alter your strategy based upon the uh, circumstances that are occurring. Now, doesn't that also mean that you're very indecisive, that you're not working through the uh, the difficulties, that you're not pushing through? And the truth is, that is. That's what adaptation is. Uh, it is not pushing through because there's a time for you to not push yeah. through. There's a time for you to change strategies. But then there's also a time when you have to not constantly be switching off to other strategies, but instead uh, push forward and push through the difficulties. And so there's this dichotomy between being adaptive, being able to look at all the circumstances. And, and you'll find this thing is very deeply ingrained in our psyches and that uh, different people, people who are more adaptive uh, actually are that more liberal viewpoint. And what is it that, no, that, that and what is it yeah. that, that a conservative uh, would very quickly be able to identify as a negative trait about somebody who is liberal? They don't push through the difficulty. They don't uh, they, they're, they're, they're vacillating around. They're going between too many different things. But then what is it that a, that a liberal would see about a conservative? Oh, you just you're just an old fogey. you stick with one stupid thing and don't ever change off to anything else. You just keep right on going no matter how many uh, you know things happen. That, that show you you need to fucking change you change nothing so it's there's this there's a dichotomy between these two viewpoints that we can see you know in our everyday lives that and and both of them however are absolutely necessary and they are opposite and understanding that there are so many of these apparent dichotomies throughout uh life that there are these this union of opposites that has to vacillate between the two for it to work out and that vacillation not only has to occur but it has to occur in the pr appropriate timing and uh and it's dependent upon the situation in other words you, it's uh, th and that's the difficulty that we have uh trouble that everyone has trouble with trying to figure out when is the right time 
to be one or the other. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that that every conservative mindset and people who are really uh, all about science, what is it that I really loved as a child? What is it that I was seeking out as a, from a from this kind of autistic sort of perspective? Things that were permanent, things that never change. Physics, you know, the things that have to do with the, the, with biology, mm -hmm. have to do with you know what's happening with the stars. I was interested in that which does not change because that was what was important to me. However, the truth of the matter is everything is actually changing, and, and so many of the things that are, are occurring in our lives are all about dealing with change. Uh, and so that that's one of the things that uh, where I was able to see in my own uh, perspective this kind of. Uh, you know what where my focus was versus where you know the other kind of focus is mm -hmm. and uh, and just one more example on that is that like like one of the things I was able to to see later on in life is that is this depth thinking versus breadth thinking and uh, and ha has a lot to do with the linguistics and this links to uh, to autism, uh, autistic spectrum, because yeah. it, linguistics and autistic spectrum are closely related. But uh, what, Be just what before you, you jump into that, uh, I wanted to uh, sort of underscore what you were just saying with some of the stats. And about see that whole switching around thing? We're doing it right now. That more liberal thing, so focusing forward, and I needed to finish both. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I thought you were done. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> well, I just wanted to yeah, long track. interject uh, to. Yeah, I, I know. I'm, 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 just, I'm just using using what's available. That's true. It, it is okay, a good, good example, though, because uh, we do yes, make you, a great yeah. team. Right, right. There you go. <laughs> and you give me shit daily yes, <laughs> about being chaotic. Right. Sure, pure chaos. <laughs> so, um, to underscore what you were just saying, though, um, there's actually, in fact, I probably will share my um, notes with all the resources there, but um, there is, for instance, you can predict... Um, with about 69% accuracy, based on heredity, uh, what someone will be if they'll be a liberal or a conservative. Um, so what their parents were, uh, heredity, yeah, yeah, which about 69%. is both sociological as well as uh, physiological. Mm -hmm. And then, um, however, there's some things that you can uh, define about liberals and conservatives by looking at brain volume. And this will be uh, differences in brain volume. So same as male versus female. And this, this goes directly with what you're saying where um, it's about 71% prediction. So it's actually higher than heredity that you can predict uh, someone being a liberal or conservative based on looking at their brain and seeing some areas different than others. So in liberals, you have a larger anterior cingulate gyrus, which is the area responsible for taking in new information and the impact of new information on their, on their decisions. So that is exactly very much underscoring this openness and changeability and flip-floppiness or whatever of exactly. liberalness. Both mm -hmm. of those things, right. both good and bad. Exactly. And so on, on the conservative side, though, they have a larger... And, well, okay, one caveat, this particular study was in self-described conservative students in London. So college students in London self-described, that's a lot of questions for me. But, and I'm sure, but I'm, this tracks, though, because I want Fox, well, Fox News, come on. So conservatives have a, a, a larger right amygdala. And the amygdala is fear and social learning area of the brain. So uh, there's, of course, this adage that conservatives are, you know, are liberals who grew up, who had life, you know, get the shit out of them, and now they're no longer. <laughs> so basically, uh, sort of fear-minded fear thinking is... Well, uh, also, autistic spectrum want change, and, and, and want change. 
and sexual dimorphism. Both sexual dimorphism and autistic spectrum show differences in particular brain areas, and one of the most important brain areas that it shows the difference in is the amygdala. The size of it, the the number of connections in it, Mm -hmm. and and which one is dominant under certain... specifically the right one. Left versus right dominance Mm -hmm. under certain uses. And so what what they're talking about there is part of that, the, um, uh, the category of mental... Um, proclivities that are, that we see uh, physiological differences in the brain that correlate with ver- uh, you know more of a conservative mindset versus a liberal mindset, and they're going to very strongly correlate. Uh, also, you'll find with uh, autistic spectrum. Stop. Yes, hush, kitty. Please. Autistic spectrum uh, versus the you know what was considered more neurotypical. Uh, <clears throat> but the thing is that that it is important is that you'll see that. Differences in the right temporal parietal uh, junction, uh, RTPJ, and uh, mm-hmm. and there's shoot, there's a part area in the prefrontal cortex as well. That I'm not going to talk about uh, about as much um, because I, I like focusing Hello. on the right oh. TPJ because it's very cut and, and dried and clear about what the difference is there. But um, the differences in the amygdala. The amygdala is social learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just give him some food or something, man. It's just <laughs> STFU. Looking at the counter. Good God, you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but what you find is that in the... Uh, where'd you go? That, that's, oh, I see. You're going to use punishment instead of reward. <laughs> I, I fed them right before the stream. I see. Okay. <laughs> I'm not so certain that he's... And then bring it up the squirt gun. Um, He's intended just to be a nuisance, therefore. Okay. Um, so, I, actually, you talked about the, how you're not going to mention the prefrontal cortex all that much, but you did mention the temporal junction, so I'm just going to really quickly put it in again, where you have the right temporal <laughs> You have the right temporal junction, which has to do with morality, yeah, yeah, but the whole temporal junction is the area of the brain where the temporal and the parietal lobes meet, which is why it's called that, and right parietal is the side and temporal is the front, uh, or temporal the back, not the anterior. I was so bad with those, always. Yeah. But that, anyway, that, that I thought right temporal now. was the front, but it may not be. Uh, or no, it's temporal to the side. It does not and matter right now. Sorry. <laughs> it incorporates the information from the thalamus, the limbic system, as well as the visual, auditory, and all the other systems. Uh, the temporal junction is responsible for collecting all this information oh, yay, and processing it. Uh, it is also known to play a crucial role in self-other distinctions, as well as processing and the theory of mind. So this is where we would start getting into autistic territory. Uh, damage to the TPJ, the temporal junction, has been implicated in having adverse effects. People like damage to temporal junctions. Uh, um, it, it's becoming impossible to follow at this point. Right. We, it, we, too many. In other words, right. let's stay on. Let's try to stay on a track. Well, I'm just saying that we're talking about the temporal junction, and it actually mm-hmm. does have to do with um, self. Uh, has to do with moral decisions and 
understanding of self and sort of like not exactly executive function but in a certain way it very it's, directly it, relates self, to self autism. versus other yes uh, having to do and with theory uh, of and, mind. And specifically theory of mind yes, yes. all of this so, so basically you're trying, to, you're trying to talk about all the different things that are related together laterally with because the temporal autism, parietal junction autism, is morality, for morality and autism right. which is what you're going to talk about so yes, i'm adding right. the I, I was going to get to that i absolutely was, was going was going to get okay. to that Something about the prefrontal cortex. Too much lateral. No, no. I don't know what. Okay, go. Oh, uh, just uh, the, the the damage to the TPJ, uh, or at least TPJ has been in, in, implicated in disorders including amnesia, Alzheimer's, and schizophrenia. So there's like personality and executive function and understanding of things that gets affected when TPJ is affected. And that just really get off the prefrontal cortex. I don't know why, but anyway. Okay. So, where was I when you interrupted me the first time? What, what was I talking about? Now that my context has been completely shot through, full of holes, it's like Swiss cheese now. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to curb the cancer. Sorry, Charles. Apparently, there's a whole lot of cancer. Um, <laughs> um, my our English is too complicated. Sorry, um, but anyway, I can actually make the chat bigger, so maybe. Uh, won't bigger? Well, it doesn't like taller. Uh, so it won't swallow as, as much. Huh, swallow. Anyway, uh, you were talking about how you weren't, weren't going to go into the PFC all that much, but you were talking about the that was the, that, Okay, there was, that, was one, that was the second interruption. That was actually a first interruption. So this is, that's the interruption of the interruption. So I'm, I'm trying to travel back a, a number of steps. But uh, I, I'll just try to I'll, I'll try to pick up the pieces and go, go from here. Um... Okay, so I was trying to talk about the way in which there's a uh, there's a dichotomy between. Well, you were talking about openness uh, versus um, you know uh, that's where I came in with the, the yes adaptation. Right? Okay, yeah. I, I picked it back up. Yes. So it has to do with uh, being being adaptive versus uh, sticking to something mm -hmm. and 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 punching that's, through. That's the core difficulty. disagreement between left and right. Right. And a lot and so there is this there's this dichotomy between immediacy versus the future. You'll find that that is also true um, that it's very similar to this the individual versus the group. Um, when you're talking about politics, there's always going to be this kind of a question that's going to come up with uh, what is good for the moment versus what is good for a longer term. And that these are going to be differences in um, political affiliation that whether they focus on on the bigger larger picture that kind of uh doesn't pay as close attention to the details or and it kind of goes back and forth as well i mean it's there's a lot of just a tremendous amount of overlap so we can only really speak when i'm speaking generally here just take it for what it is of course i understand it is extremely general and there's a lot of exceptions but i'm trying to paint an overall picture that shows the way in which these systems all work together so um, where should I go from here? So, talking about the way in which you have these dichotomies that are that are in the mind. So, the the focus of political spectrum and how it relates in the brain. So, we talked about the right uh, the RTPJ. There is um, one of the differences between the more masculine brain and the more feminine brain, and that has to do with all these different brain areas: the amygdala right temporal parietal junction and there are some uh, differences that are categorical are found in the, uh, the prefrontal cortex as well 
but let's talk specifically about a, a particular morality that di that is different between uh, people who have differences in the right temporal parietal junction. So the the best way to categorize the difference so well, like in some tests that they've done now they found that this 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 difference exists between people who are on the spectrum as well uh and and people who are more neurotypical and they also were able to disable this area of the brain using magnets basically they overstimulate the area then it no longer will uh will function after that point for a short period of time mm -hmm. and uh and then they go and they ask questions and they find out uh, how people's moral judgments about particular uh, situations play out. And those uh, situations, uh, a good example of a, a very simple, direct uh, question that they use, and they've got a lot of them that they've come up with, is, uh, let's say, for instance, a person who has um, <clears throat> is fixing coffee for someone else. They're, uh, they're, uh, and, and so they go, and there are two jars. One is labeled sugar. And the other is labeled poison, and um, and in one case the person uh, and they're labeled improperly. They're labeled exactly the opposite. And in one case, a person uh, puts sugar in the coffee, meaning to put poison in it, obviously because they're labeled improperly, and brings that to the person to drink. And in the other case, they mean to put uh, sugar in the coffee, but put poison in it. So basically, in one case, it is an accidental death uh, versus a attempted murder right. that, that fails. And, and it is comparing these two things. So it comes down to, is it the thought that counts or is it that results matter? And this, you'll, you'll find, is very strongly uh, correlated between um, the moral viewpoints of liberal versus conservative. And I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. But... Um, so when they when they turn that area off, a person is is more likely to uh, basically say, okay, it's the results that count. The person who deserves the most punishment uh, is the one who actually caused harm, uh, versus when that that area is more active in the more neurotypical brain. It is the person who attempted and failed that deserves more punishment. Uh, and who basically is more at fault. So basically the, the question is, is your morality about intention or is your morality about results? And uh, one of the things that you'll find with people who have autistic spectrum uh, mentality is that because they do not have a good theory of mind, which means they are not capable of understanding other minds as well, period. That is, that's, that is, there's a billion studies on that. I mean, you just, you can't, you can't, you know, open up PubMed without running into studies on, on the, uh, you know, when it comes to theory of mind and how that relates to autistic spectrum. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if you do not possess a good theory of mind, then the, the thing that you must do, because I can't know what's in your head, is one of the things you also find with conservatives. I, I'm not a mind reader with men who are having to deal with women who actually are more capable of reading minds than men are. Um, the, um, the thing that you'll end up defaulting to is, since I can't know what you intend, I must then therefore judge you based on what has, a, has happened. Right. Because that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where the results count. And there now, looking at this, that can seem like a very negative thing right off the bat. It's like if you only care about results, well, it depends on where your morality is. But if you only care, 
depends on what country in the world you are. <laughs> right. But uh, some cultures are. You know, but I mean, I think a lot of people when they're masculine, just thinking about it like this, yeah. instead of in a more in a deeper situation, but when they're thinking about it analytically like this, they would typically go towards well, it's the it's the it's obvious that the um, analytical versus your emotional reaction is what you're talking right. about. Right. Whereas in, in you're, the moment, you're in the if you're in the, the yeah exactly <laughs> if you're in the moment and it's a more complex situation and you're not directly examining the morality of a specific in simple situation it's going to come out uh, a little differently and most people i think would lean towards the idea that it's like you know an attempted murderer his intention if we know for sure his intention was really to try to kill somebody and right. he just failed screw that guy and let's forgive the person who it was an accident um right. and that's i think most people when they're analyzing it that's what they're going to default to but the truth of the matter is when you do not have the information that others might actually have uh, then you have to default to a uh, to a more effective strategy, basically. So, so here's the thing: the um, there because of the existence, uh, yeah, exactly, because of the existence of deception, uh, and and some people, those people with a poorer uh, theory of mind, of course, are not going to be as good at picking out deception as those with a, a better theory of mind. Because of the existence of deception, uh, there. There is a necessity for just taking the results, and there are, in, in other words, in other words, the uh, the idea that being just results oriented seems cold and even kind of stupid. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, right. but it, but it's not. You know, there's a lot of situations in which it is extremely important. Like um, the uh, let's see. Okay, so like for instance, if you're living in a in a uh, in a, in a desert, like one of the ideas is if you're in the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Like yeah. if if a, if a people well, every bad guy thinks of himself as like trying to do good. So you know, if if a people uh, uh, living in the desert are uh, they they are staying there and they're not adapting to the situation. They're just holding out in their location, and you begin to bring them food. This mm -hmm. seems like a kind of a universal good in a certain way your intention is good however if the area is becoming more desertified in other words they're staying there too long it's it, things are going badly and it's getting worse and the the availability of food is progressively getting worse while you are feeding them then the moment you are not capable of feeding them whereas they were capable of, of just barely eking by and maybe being able to move out of that area now that you have been giving them food, you have disabled their ability to gauge that they absolutely must go now. You've dis disabled that. And so by attempting to do good, you have caused harm by, by disabling their ability to assess the situation properly and adapt and move when they absolutely should. Wow, they are fucking loud out there. Holy shit. <laughs> good God. Um... So the, the point here is that theory of mind, when we think of it in, in one circumstance, the idea that it's the thought that counts is really you know, the, the greater good in one situation, and it is the greater evil in another situation. And so understanding that both of these are uh, valuable pieces of information. They go either way, really. 
Right, and it's contextually dependent. It's one of the neatest things about the way in which genes work. As as if you if you study developmental biology, how genes, what they do, is completely dependent upon the circumstance of the moment. I'm switching here to just kind of to show there's this all throughout reality. You have this contextual dependence for that which is the best, that which is the greatest truth is contextually dependent uh and uh, so well, like you said that there's no such thing as perfect uh, objectively there's only a perfect tool for a particular job right so. um so like for instance as the as the genes are um the, the the way in which a gene does things and decides like what what should be happening to a given cell or what that cell should be changing into is all based upon the immediate signaling um and so the uh, there was god damn it you there was a there was something else i was getting to after this um yeah it has to do with contextual dependence i had a point that was i was that was a previous point for a greater point that i've now lost um the contextual dependence of truth uh, that was that was really um and well, that which is valuable and looking at the way ah rules so so going back to the whole idea of what is an immutable rule what is what is what law do we make there is no such thing as a law that is a universal good that does not take into account any context Abortion's murder oh wait, uh, wait. <laughs> I'm just saying, stop, like, example stop. of how okay, conservatives and liberals so divide themselves that, that on things that are immutable. Right, because some people will be emotionally attached to that instead of understanding what I'm saying. Where it's, I, I didn't want to bring up something so emotionally charged oh, at well, this point because now what my point is is, is going to be blocked by their emotions. Um, <laughs> okay, well, take that. Yes, <laughs> the, 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 the point is that laws are it's fucked now all right <laughs> you're, you're you're jumping around a little more than usual today you're you're uh you're jumping between contexts is, is a little more unruly well because we're bringing together sort of how morality ties in with love versus right so you know we're talking about making a law because that's been a debate that's been a hot yes. topic debate recently and in general it's like is it a woman's right to her body or is it is it murder so like for instance this is very to me central to what we're talking about which is in what you were saying, how to make a law. That's what we're trying to do. We're picking. Do we do the liberal yes. approach or do we do the conservative approach to this law? There you go. Thank yeah. you. That was that was an excellent recovery. Yes, the um the so the point is that that there is when you when you're making laws, they cannot be contextually independent. And that was something as a child I was always looking for unitary, specific truths that were immutable and not, I was not nearly as aware of the dependence of context for something to be a, an absolute truth. Uh, in other words, the, there is this idea that you can come to this, this one particular thing that is the best for all situations. It is just this immutable one thing that stands on its own, and that is just not how reality works. Individual little things don't stand on their own. They are, they are dependent upon all of the circumstances around them. So, um, okay. And part of that, uh, why I'm bringing that up is because there is a difference in the the um, autistic spectrum brain has less connection in it. In other words, like male brains have less myelin. Myelin is the the, the coding around the um, uh, 
the axon that that basically allows a signal to travel further. So it's it's so kind of like brain cells communicate. To each other. Right. That's and how so, you think how everything. Happens. So there's there's a greater amount of myelin and and the interconnectivity of the brain to greater it is is greater in neurotypical people. And so therefore what happens is in the in the autistic spectrum, which is also in the more male uh, type of brain, there is less of a connection between a broad uh, area of topics. So therefore we are capable of focusing more upon a specific thing and throwing out all those extraneous other thoughts to be able to take one specific path and think it down to the very important finite details. So Speaking of jumping around extraneously, this may be something that I didn't cover in our autism shows, but it is something I mentioned in the Sluts and Scholars podcast that I was on. I'm going to link that uh, somewhere at some point, uh, probably in the Patreon description or something such. But um, the, I don't know if you heard this or not, BB. Okay, but I was going to say for your benefit as well. All right, well, uh, the, I guess not the founder, that's a silly way of putting it. The, the man who discovered, who classified, who named uh, Asperger's disorder, so that's one of the uh, autism spectrum disorders or uh, differences of the brain from uh, neurotypical brains. Is uh, It's named after him. His name was um, Hans, I think, Asperger. And uh, he discovered this um, difference. He was a pediatrician and he, he worked with kids and some kids were very different than others. Uh, and so uh, he named this uh, proclivity Asperger's, and that's now uh, classified as one of the autism spectrum. It's more of a high-functioning autism, and um, what he called Asperger's is the uh, malification of the brain. So I don't know if we're going to do a show on this d- directly by itself. I mean, I would like to actually go back over the male versus female sexual dimorphism and you know brain structures and you know. Yes, you can tell whether a brain is male or female by just looking at it. Uh, yes, you can. It's true. Um, specifically, some brain areas, um, but overall, in general, as well. Yeah, there is size and volume difference. But anyway, um, so maybe we'll do a show on male versus or male uh, sexual dimorphism. There we go. That's better. Because uh, I don't want it to be versus. I just don't want because they are complementary in my opinion. But um, if we do that show, we can talk about the testosterone and the male aspect and how that ties into uh, autism because that's, as I was saying, what uh, Asperger, like the guy who classified the disorder, um, he called it the extreme uh, maleness of the brain is what uh, autism, uh, Asperger says. So there's uh, ways in which testosterone, which is what makes something a male brain, um, how testosterone affects your brain areas, your cognition, your, all that. So I guess the point is, I I still, I want to point out that I I still believe people who are on the spectrum are, uh, are like humanity 2.0 in beta, Uh, that there is a, uh, but at the same time, I think there's also a dependence, there's an interdependence between people who are kind of on the spectrum and people who are not Uh, in those, those sorts of, um, mental types there is a dependence between the two mental types that we need both of them uh to 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 best find the the solutions to the collective problems that we need to solve 
Um, I've got a, a bunch you of different. Together, man. I've got a bunch of studies here that will, uh, I guess, will leak somewhere in the, in, at some point. Where I'll let you put it wherever is publicly available. But I have a link links to a bunch of studies about uh, how the disconnectivity of the uh, you know the various um, uh, brain areas that show that you know social cognition is is something that is lesser in both the male brain and in the uh, the autistic spectrum brain and the, the uh, white matter growth uh, being different. Like one of the things that, that is interesting with uh, autistic disorder is we, we actually have early white matter growth followed by slower uh, white matter growth later in life. So in other words, we have more white, uh, white matter growth early and then less later on. So there is a, uh, so there's like an early, take it. All humans? Or? No, no, this is for uh, uh, autistic? autistic spectrum, right? Uh, and there's, so there's there's a lot of interesting. I thought were like uh, this was uh, a specific super, autistic disorder. Super. So yeah, it's going to be like the right. <laughs> yeah, you do have to kind of uh, like the what kind level of autistic like dysfunctionally. As right. <laughs> like, no eye contact. Do not no physical contact. Like climb on their human parents instead of hugging them. Right. Exactly. Really heartbreaking they are shit for some objects. parents. There is a, uh, yeah, discon uh, disconnection between their ability. So uh, I've said it before and I want to kind of reiterate that that um, what you find is a lot of our instincts, the, the, those things that give us information that is existed beforehand, our, kind of our, our bios, our, our, our boot up uh, from, from, you know, starting right out has to do with the amygdala i think a lot of our yeah, instincts the windows 98 um, that comes pre-installed <laughs> pre yeah. the uh it, that that connects us and allows us to understand um, <laughs> i mean it's it's obviously spread through various uh brain uh areas of course but uh theory of mind mm. basically our theory of mind our ability to uh our instincts about what certain things that with the face with the face mean what certain our uh, instincts on how to behave in social situations all of those things uh, basically are links to instincts as people who are more autistic are weaker. We are not as closely linked with it. And that's, a, once again, a double-edged sword. By not being as closely linked with instincts, you're not nearly as driven by instinct. So would it be but the, the wisdom of instincts, uh, that all of the, that learned, the, you know, there's millions of years of testing and you know learning that occurred to create uh, uh, our instincts in the first place so we're also without that wisdom so there's a there's a gain and a loss so would it be fair to say that the interconnectivity is responsible for uh being more in neurotypicals is responsible for being more primate like because there's a there's a question on quora asking like can you think with your lower brain versus your higher brain i'm like what is this but it, it did get me to think uh, and so, uh, you know, so you probably yes. There's too. probably a um, uh, a con more of a close connection would be early in life, especially with the um, uh, with the primate part of ourselves, which is the part that is you know when we when we think about what the primate is there are, and what instincts are, it's it's crucial to understand that it is a you know a lot of years of uh, you know millions of years of learning that is that is stored in instincts. Uh, and but so yes, they're connected to that, and uh, a little more I think. And then, but that connection to that then shapes the direction that their brain is going to go, as opposed, to, you know, which means it's going to be focused more on social uh, issues. Whereas, what you, one of the things that you find 
in autistic spectrum. And the reason why I think it is not, it's not some sort of genetic anomaly that doesn't have a value. It, it has a very, I think it's been honed and, and, uh, and specialized specifically to provide what uh, it does. And that is uh, like we, we gain increased visual spatial reasoning. Uh, one of the things that is, that is found across autistics all the way to the dysfunctional ones is increased visual spatial reasoning, the, ab the ability to three-dimensionally rotate objects. So, so very, very, very tool. Tool based. development, exactly. The development of tools. The, uh, I believe it is specifically autism that gave that, that made us not be monkeys anymore. That, that is what <clears throat> gave us these tools. And th so therefore, probably... It, it, and then we started sharpening sticks because we're all fucking conservative. <laughs> competition versus cooperation and both of them are, are extremely don't. good and extremely bad well uh, yeah it, it depends if you have the um if you're cooperating within us a, a group versus uh groups competing well the with point other. is that There's too much cooperation okay so it's so whenever whenever an animal no longer has any uh, predators, one of the mm -hmm. things that occurs is that it uh, becomes weaker and weaker and weaker because right. the the eat every genetic anomaly. <laughs> that, any, <laughs> any genetic anomaly that would not uh, uh, would not be uh, functional ends up being kept and and progressing instead of being cut off and shaved off of uh, of the creature. And so, which I mean, that is more <clears throat> a draconian approach. So we are trying to have a more comfortable happy cuddly cozy civilization but on the other hand that we are still primates living on this planet and we well, do the, need to be somewhat physically fit to you know right well one of the things we've done is we, we've started so we to eliminate balance. all those things which are uh the crucial aspects of competition and the thing is there's two different kinds of competition and everybody has the, a basic sense about the two kinds of competition and they call it good sportsmanship mm -hmm. in other words people compete and then there's competition without any kind of rules, without any consideration of fairness or starting condition or anything like that, not an attempt to sharpen each other, but attempt to destroy each other right. and by any means necessary. So that's where deception, that's where all of the rule breaking, all of those types of things, by breaking rules and by exploiting and finding little things, what one can do is instead of creating greater value, it is in, instead a... An exceptional situation that can just be it's exploitative instead of right. Well, that's the thing is understanding why do why do we hate exploitation? And one of the things that you find is that in nature, any time that there is an exploitive behavior, there's tons of animals that exploit each other um, uh, because it keeps it just will keep popping up. It always will, but you'll find that nature always is finding a way to destroy exploitation and because exploitation. Uh, will will eventually lead to the end of a species. In other words, if a species starts to bend itself towards exploiting something that does not value anything really productive for the this objectively uh, uh, productive for the the situation that it's in, it will long term. it will <laughs> over the over a very long term, right? It will um, self destruct over time. That's like a great um, quick segue. Like locusts are just barely within that that. Uh, that perspective, they're, they're, I mean, not that perspective, they, the, uh, they're barely within the zone of being able to um, uh, still exist. And the reason why is because they only become locusts 
in huge groups and with a gigantic availability of resources. When there's not a huge availability of resources, they do not do that super swarming, uh, swarming thing. They don't breed as much, they don't eat as much, they don't swarm as much, they don't do yeah, any of those things. Uh, and because, exactly, they do use a, a form of form sensing, that's exactly what they do, to, to become locusts. Otherwise, they're just grasshoppers. Uh, <clears throat> a great segue. You said the nature finds ways to punish uh, exploiters. exploiters. So this is fantastic, a really quick thing. For, in my research, when I was doing the left versus right sort of approaches to morality and, and things in general, you have these games that uh, you have... Uh, researchers have people play in order to figure out uh, game theory or evolutionary game theory uh, like prisoner's dilemma or more often than not is sharing money and it's like you know if you both uh, decide to share the money then the pot doubles or if one of them steals you know it's one of those uh, so things. the point is over but just really quick I didn't finish. Damn it. so uh, I never got to that so <laughs> so what they found is that um, Oxytocin, the trust molecule, does have a lot to do with sort of morality. How, how much will you cheat someone mm -hmm. versus how much you will act fair? Uh, it does have to do with trustworthiness. So uh, the interesting thing about all that is that conservative men, uh, for instance, uh, actually shared less. Mm -hmm. However, whenever you give them an option to pay from some of the, the money that they earned to punish those who cheated, they paid more to yeah. punish others. So it's really interesting that they, they actually were doing it themselves. But... Uh, but they, you know, whenever given the opportunity to uh, curb cheating mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. to curb some sort of, uh, so, so nature found a way to, you know, mm -hmm. sort of the more conservative approach uh, to morality or of morality from the conservative side, they're like, hey, let's curb this cheating because, you know, nature finds a way to, yeah. Right, to, to curb cheating. And the reason is because something that ex exploits... <clears throat> uh, my, my favorite example is something called the green frog. What a fucking uh, just nondescript name for a frog. But they one of the things that they do is they um, they are in the middle of a transitionary point of attempting to eliminate an exploitative behavior. And what that behavior is is so one of the ways that they that the females choose the best mate is by the depth of the frog's croak. In other words, the, the frequency. When it is a lower it frequency, size, right? it indicates size. Size is a, is a real value indicator Tangible, of measurable. This, <laughs> that creature was able to survive for a long period of time gather and able resources. to gather resources, so therefore it has real value. However, a sum of the individuals of that species, basically, there's not an intention here, of course. It just so happens that some were born with a deeper uh, croak and they started getting breeding rights by basically exploiting that system. I mean, there's nothing conscious going on here at all. I mean, it's just exploitation just ends up occurring because there was reward for it. And But at the same time, so here you've got smaller frogs that are croaking deeper and therefore able to get uh, to get mates that they should not be able to get because the, the females uh, attempt to select an actually better performer is being undermined. <clears throat> so in response to that, one of the things that has, has started to happen is, um, which one was it? They're, they've started this weird attacking behavior uh, where they, they attack... Um, uh, I think they, they, when they attack those that come around them to basically induce uh, competition. 
In other words, when, when I think when a male comes uh, to them, or maybe it's the other way around. Damn it, it's been a while since I looked into this, and now I'm confused about it. But there is basically one of the things that they do is they induce actual okay. competition, the frogs. And I don't the remember if it's the, the male or the female. I'm pretty, I, it may be the female, but I could be wrong about that. Okay. But where they, <clears throat> they basically induce competition to find which is the actual valuable uh, one of the two That's by the physically right and so there, there is this uh, and it's and it seems and it, I remember it's just a behavior damn it I'm gonna have to look that up uh, there's it because well, the, the behavior itself they're, they're it. attacking each other during mating so it's like why would they be attacking each other during mating and they so develop other, this that means like it's yeah, it's male to female. You're right. It's uh, so there is so regardless this, who instigates it, it's male to female. That's right. There's this male to female uh, fighting that occurs. So like lions, in the, are, in, right? Yeah, the lion females they, they challenge the male. Exactly. They're they're strength testing. Exactly. Yeah. So the so there is this behavior that has been added to attempt to uh, eliminate the um, the exploitative the, the imposter. Uh, yeah, the imposters. And so you'll find that nature is constantly attempting to get back to an even ground because there is <clears throat> there is a real... If, there, if that system isn't in place, the genes don't go forward. That's what it comes down to. If there's not some system in place to eliminate the exploitation, then the creature becomes actually less capable of surviving. And if it becomes actually less capable of surviving, it doesn't survive. So therefore, the genes aren't here anymore. And so, the, so one of the things that you'll find is that these are end up being kind of built-in systems into uh, into genes to finding and eliminating exploitation, and part of the way in which you do that is through competition. Uh, and so that's why um, that competition ends up being so important. But competition, it's a, it's sort of an in-group thing, which is a more competition in-group. Uh, yes, exactly. Group, small groups competing. That's why we love. You know, sports and things like that as a species. Why we love those things is because it's competition between uh, things eliminate. They they get they get down to the truth. More. Even though that we we have to be able to use communication. Like a peacock creates you know larger feathers because that is a communication. I'm capable of uh, gathering resources, and you need to it's be able signal. to gather that kind of information. You know, for good breeding and for uh, for the species to continue properly. But at the same time, you need uh, competition to find out if there are people, if there are if there are individuals within the species that are exploiting mm -hmm. the signals. Like for instance, you know, now the, a somebody like who is ever? like somebody who all that they do is they uh, they don't actually okay in civilization it's okay to be able to just con people and take their money uh, as a as a when, when you look at it from a completely dead computer-like perspective of if that is survivable within that situation to be an exploitive taker within civilization the context of civilization is actually a workable strategy so long as you can get away with it uh, and civilization doesn't punish it enough. Well, Nash strictly <clears throat> endorses it. Right. So there, but from a, from a perspective of living in smaller uh, communities those which are not actually producing anything of value, but simply live based upon their ability to exploit the trust systems that keep the community together that is oh. not a viable system. Oh, your knees right. don't get broke. Exactly. <laughs> um, not a viable system at all. <laughs> and so just un uh, understanding that that's part of the reason why we try to induce 
competition to find because well, what what is it by stealing money? What is it that that a that an individual is doing? Well, money has to do with you know it's just it's just like that frog's weight. It's, it is a uh, by showing you got the cars and the money. You know you got um, you, you are basically showing that you have the capability of, of providing for offspring. Uh, that's in a, in a certain way, just or creating more viable offspring in, in one way or another. Because you know our the the female um, instincts went towards that <clears throat> towards identifying those that were more capable of gathering resources. And that's so, so some of the symbols symbols of people capable of producing and, and gathering resources. But then the exploitation systems always end up developing, and so that's why we have competition. So anyway, so that's that's the point is that there is this there's this competition versus cooperation. <clears throat> but there is a type there's a difference between the, the type of co- uh, competition and the competition to destroy, uh, to 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 absolutely take uh, everything that is that is destroying, you know, that only should be occurring in in a condition in which the species is about to go extinct. Yeah, because otherwise it will make the species go extinct. Right, because we I mean we actually have that instinct as well. That instinct exists because it's a system. When oh, when you're in a desert, so yes, in other words, like there's if you if you're or as a species, pick system. any fucking species that exists in a desert, and because they live such on the edge of absolute destruction. They need to be able to sense when resources have suddenly gone down, so that the, so if the species wants to survive, in other words, if you want the species itself to survive, then instead of cooperating, some shit. they need to switch to taking from everybody, kill every motherfucker who ain't me, and take their shit, uh, because it, it because then what you've done it's is preferable you've, you've, for one asshole to survive with that species than for all of them to death. Exactly, one completely non-cooperative asshole is going to show that he's the strongest because he could fight uh, and, take. and take and get the resources from those around them and therefore then that one asshole survives the species survives the drought and so that's what that's what that that's what being an asshole is for mm-hmm. that's what being a piece of shit is for is for surviving when it comes when the, when it gets down when to the rubber meets the road when <laughs> shit hits the, you know, shit's the fan rubber meets the road there, there is and it's in the very the species is about to go fucking extinct that is the anti-extinction mechanism. Uh, so, anyway, the, um, so the, the, that that's kind of how is this all related? Conservatives are assholes. <laughs> conservatives actually are a little more are a little better adapted to inducing cooperation. Uh, and, I mean, uh, competition versus cooperation. In other words, they they are whereas, and so that is for refining. That is this, liberals this, fall the fuck apart. <laughs> whereas, whereas the liberal mindset is more for a uh, when it's a when things are plentiful. Bounty. Exactly when there is a bounty, when there is when you want to be able to try out as many different because what nature wants to do is it wants life to survive. In other words, it's the reason why anything is currently yeah, here sure, is because it survived, and the way that you survive is by by creating as many alternative. Uh, what's it called? Uh, templates. You create as many alternative templates of behavior, of existence, of many of different instincts. species as you possibly Shapes. can. So therefore, that means you allow more. In other words, more deformed 
that which is deformed is no longer deformed. It's, it's an attempt at another, another it's another template that you preserve. And so therefore the or more the, the more liberal mindset and of course both the liberal and the conservative exist in everybody that, that you know that left versus right that exists in everybody to one extent or another and from one moment to the to the next you're gonna be more in situation to, to group, yeah, But the, but this is a, a general uh, a general perspective based uh, a systems a top-level systems analysis that I'm trying to, to show here. <clears throat> so the um, so that's why in the in the rainforest you have ten thousand birds that are fairly closely related doing a million different little dances, you know, and wasting time because they, uh, you know, because what what value is all that? It's it's not really all that particularly valuable. But the point is that it, it they become strong at that. They become good at that, and it's. It, it, and it's basically the ability to create a lot of different species because what that's what life is doing is when something happens, when you burn down the rainforest, for instance, you know, if, and the situation has changed. Some of the rainforest animals that after you cut and burn down the, the rainforest, some of the animals that were there end up still surviving because they were attempting to try as many different niches as possible mm -hmm. even though our circumstances have, have created where only certain types of plants grow after that point it's only certain so the because there were so many different templates in that rainforest one of them was it was was filling this tiny little weird niche to be able to adapt to the circumstance where the, this one particular weird circumstance that is now available after so the point is that's why you create a lot of templates. The whole idea is to create a million different templates so that when things change, something is going to be able to fit that new situation. And it's uh, it's basically trying a million different things at once and having all as many different opportunities available as, as possible. And that's why we have this massive differentiation in species. But at the same time, there is as circumstances become more narrow, you need to be able to narrow it down to the, the right thing. So there's this perspective, the systems design principle we can learn from the way that nature has designed life. <clears throat> and so that's one of the things we're finding in any kind of development of, uh, of complex systems is we look at the way life develops complex systems and it's based upon this growth and pruning mm -hmm. perspective that it, that is contextually based. And that is very cycling between it's very closely it's, it's there's a lot of you know um there's a lot of uh, overlap of course like for instance you know conservative people are more about you know the uh preservation of more babies and like let's have lots and lots of babies tons of babies let's just cover the fucking planet with babies uh but it, it, in general but that's not necessary that that has more to do with the religious the, the adherence to religious values, whereas they are more of the pruning. Uh, in other words, conservative values more are more about pruning things down to that which is valuable, that which is. Um, I mean, if, if whereas liberals are more have... permissive of let's let everything exist, let's let every to every bad you know template continue going, and let's just you know. So there's. Every opinion is just a Right, every opinion is just as valid. Let's 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 there not no narrow hierarchies. let's narrow not narrow anything down to one thing being better than another. Let's just you know have a billion different perspectives and and all of them just as valuable as one another. So there's this kind of you can see this perspective of liberal versus conservative, and you can see this perspective in the brain and a balance between the two 
and uh, and you can see the way in which a cycling between the two is very important because you can either if you go too far to one side or the other without without the pruning the growth becomes weakness and without uh, the the growth then the pruning becomes over specialization which is breeding in weakness itself because the situation will absolutely and, and change because you know, reality changes and you know uh studies have found that conservatives are hotter than liberals <laughs> i bet because they're, yeah. they're because they're not as permissive because they're more they're requiring more of the um their breeding partners their, exactly themselves uh, of, of their standards everything. their yeah. standards they're pruning things down more and you know, uh, it's interesting that we're, we're we're talking about this right now. Because... Oh, there's also when it comes to disgust, people who are both women and liberals are are less. Uh, they are less um, prone to disgust. In other words, the the disgust instinct is not as strong. The uh, looking at things from a uh, like, ooh, that's gross, and so that that whole idea of purity, as you mm-hmm. were saying before. That actually very strongly goes with the more liberal mindset as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, actually. Um, uh, the, the thing going between, cycling between uh, growth and pruning, liberal and conservative mindsets. Because, I mean, essentially, uh, the it is all about the morals, and left and right agree on the basic of fairness and harm. So, uh, harm care and, and fairness, uh, they, they, they both care about that, so that is sort of the, the actual basis of morality. Uh, and then occasionally you need to uh, adjust the other three, the in-group, the purity, and the authority. So occasionally you need to have authority when shit's like, you know, when you need to, when, when there's war or when something's going on, you need to obey the elders. You need to do what you got to do. <coughs> uh, yeah, you, so need, you need to you choose need to the, the more proven um, and older pers- mm-hmm. way of doing uh, things. Sometimes you need the in-group thing because, for instance, the, 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 the researcher who was doing research into multiculturalism and diversity, he actually found that diversity, uh, he was thought he was going to find that diversity and multiculturalism strengthens society, but he actually found that it degrades it. And he's like, well, uh, shit, maybe in the future, maybe it sets it up to be good in the future or something. Anyway, the point is, in, in a good society where you do have cohesion, like Switzerland actually was used as an example, uh, what they have is individual boroughs that have complete autonomy and are allowed to segregate. And then they just like hang out and they, they mingle. And in fact, Soviet Russia had that, where it had just a bunch of countries that were still their own countries. People, because sometimes, you know, you, you might have a conflict between this country and that country, or this borough, or this culture and that culture, but you are part of the same country. So what are you going to do? It actually, studies have found that when you segregate in a way, or separate, uh, allow the people themselves to do it. That's the crucial part. Leave people alone. Let them do their own thing. And don't try to fuck with them. Uh, and they will segregate into their own little cultures, and then they will commingle, uh, and they will not have as many instances of clashing with each other. And so, uh, for instance, well, that's well, think about this. something that you need to cycle between them. Uh, you will need to accept refugees if you want to be like not a total fucking asshole country, but then you also need to scale back and integrate. And let's think about this from, from a, a long-term perspective. We all know that inbreeding leads to uh, genetic... Uh, um, Deformities? Deform- yeah, right. De- genetic problems. Mm-hmm. So then what happens when... Uh, so, so, so what ends up happening is you have like an island population. One of the things that will happen is that they end up becoming more and more inbred because there is not a diversity uh, created in the genes if they're, if they're all interbreeding. So if you have everyone interbreed a whole lot, then you have basically one set of genes. 
And so once people are done interbreeding, if they if they continually are constantly interbreeding and there's no uh, specialization allowed, then what happens is you end up creating a situation where that interbreeding leads uh, leads to a um, diminishing returns situation. So like for instance, you put put a bunch of people uh, different uh, ethnicities on an island. At first, their children will be fantastically, you know, they'll have that hybrid vigor, whether because of they've got a lot of different genes from a lot mm-hmm. of different places, their hybrid vigor will make them all like, you know, their their uh, their immune systems will be better. Like they'll, they'll they'll be fucking beautiful Olympic a lot of times because of the, because of the interbreeding. However, what ends up happening is you take this enough generations down the line because they once they all have all of the genetics that were there. And, and and over time, it's been pr- it's been basically pruned down to one specific set of genes. Then after time, they are interbreeding again. Now they are now uh, they're inbreeding is what I mean, not interbreeding. They are and now inbreeding. And, they, <laughs> and, and, then, and then basically, what you have is a situation where they are uh, they are, they no longer have the benefits. So there is this cycling between breeding together and splitting off. That is necessary, which has to do with generalization and specialization going back and forth, because you need a, uh, a system to find good specializations and to strengthen particular properties that might be adapted to specific situations, and then need to remarry them. And you'll see that there's this cycle. So, in other words, once again, you have a homeostasis type of system that exists because of a cycling between opposites, not just a direct balance between the two that is static. Um, real quick, we have um, a question from one of our patrons from much earlier in the chat, but uh, I got it now. So you mentioned um, how are the liberals and conservatives divided in the study. Which study is that? Because uh, we mentioned quite a few of them, but um, one of them um, for the, the, the right amygdala being bigger is self-identification. Uh, and for the temporoparietal junction, uh, do you have... Any oh, yeah, methods on that? Uh, methods, but... As in, like, was it self-identified liberal or conservative? Or, like, I'm, I'm assuming most of these studies are going to be self-identified liberal or conservative. Because how else are you going to confirm yeah. that part of it? Well, you know? I mean, there, you could... Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, it's going to come down to... You could say, okay, like do you believe... you can't pull down their pants and see if it's right. <laughs> liberal or conservative. Unlike right. with the male or female dimorphism. But once you do... Uh, once they do self-identify and you do look at their brains, there is a divide that is statistically significant. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> there's going to be. There's going to be. Uh, that's why you have to have larger and larger, as large a sample as possible, of course. So you know, if, if it's it, you know, when, when you look at a study, if, it, if it's got, if 30, it's thirty thousand people, you know? right? Exactly. Yeah. If you study twelve people or something, then you know your 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 study is garbage. Yeah. But uh, the but you know the things that we're talking about, there are multiple studies that you can uh, look into. I, I recommend. One of the, the the best things you can do is learn how to Google search a site, and then use instead of using NCBI's uh, search. It's uh, so shitty. Yeah, well, sometimes it's good. I it, actually it, go back it and forth. Miss it. I do go you back need and forth. To, you need to misses. be able to Google. Well, you first have to be good at Google searching because uh, that's uh, which if you if you're good with databases, then you be then you should be still be pretty good with uh, Google searching. But um, there's there's techniques to Google searching that are. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going going too far afield. Fuck that. The point is that it, I, I recommend Google searching the NCBI deep in a database uh, to if you, yeah, PubMed. If you want. Yes, if you want to find the exact 
finite really, most. You really need to learn learn database terms because Google used to be really good for with that. Now it sucks, so you have to like use the special tool on there to make it work like that anymore. And it pisses me off. <laughs> you can have a spring out a second. Okay. All right. All right. You used to be able to search it like a database. It worked so great. And then they just said, made it. Then they made it for evil. normies. Then they became evil. Then they made it for normies. You know it sucks. Okay. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. So if you want to find, uh, and, and then you can you can use specific search terms to find it. But I, I do have a list of um, uh, studies that that will make available. For, they um, will be available. Uh, Patreon.com slash Anna Cherry. We have all of our Cherry Stem podcast stuff there. They are publicly available. So all you got to do is click on the Cherry Stem tag and it'll bring up all the 19 episodes. And then I will be uploading this one in the next uh, few weeks. And that's where the show notes and all the links will go. They will be in the <coughs> description post of the cherry stem podcast on patreon speaking of patreon uh we actually have come to the end of our show and well i wanted to uh, yes. finish uh, uh, just a little bit sure. so one of the things i, I did want like i said i'd be i would be criticizing the um <clears throat> the at the asperger's uh, the the autistic spectrum uh, folks, and that's one of the things I want to point out is that they that what we what weaknesses do we need to to focus on? The weaknesses I focused on is finding that there is a um, one of the things that you'll find among people who are extremely mathematically inclined, which is to say they're they're aspie as hell, um, is that there is a weakness with metaphors and analogies. In other words, there is a the pedantic focus upon details makes it difficult to recognize the similarities between large sets of data. In other words, it, it, any kind of any kind of uh, disparity between sets of data ends up getting kicked out because we tend to focus on the, the details too much. Um, and it is the ability to uh, recognize larger scale patterns that comes with a greater level of connectivity in the brain. In other words, there is a reduced level of connectivity. We need to accept that this is part of what occurs in a more masculine brain is there's a less, there's less connectivity between the brain areas. And it's one of those, it's a strength and a weakness. The strength is being able to focus on the details, being able to, to look at the finite things, being able to follow a path. And, and all of its steps and keep going and keep following that path. But that following that one path is often to the uh, limitation of considering larger and broader sets of data. It is to the limitation of uh, changing and exploring other uh, sets of information when they should be explored. It is to the exclusion of allowing uh, pattern mismatch in uh in favor of a larger set of matches in other words we'll look at okay this pattern mismatches in this one particular way boom done no i'm not looking at it anymore and that's what one of the things that the that people who are more masculinized more on the autistic spectrum will do is that they will kick out a pattern the moment that there's a slight mismatch between the two whereas if they simply were connecting a larger set of data which is more breadth all at the same time in other words more disparate facts that strengthen each other um, 
in, in, a, in a lateral sense. In other words, they provide proof in a more, this is, this is difficult to, uh, to, to bring out, but it, there is a lateral connectivity in which uh, it's dependent upon the context around it. The, the facts around it fact strengthen it uh, in a way. And if you, if you think this out, you could, you could, I'm sure you can see what I'm talking about. But the point is that, that, that there is a, <clears throat> once you take a larger set of data, and this is something, I guess, you know, you call it wisdom. As a person gets older, they can, they can basically look at larger amounts of information and see how, well, this and this and this and this and this and this all agree with this. And it's basically kind of like a, like a white space. In other words, there is a, um, there's a creation where, whereas that detail is not connected there's a good example in that. Can we show that that image of both mm -hmm. the faces and the dragons, where the where the the pattern mismatches don't uh, matter as much because the white space around this one particular thing, even though you don't have this piece of data, you have all this data that's coming in from a variety of angles that outlines only one specific pattern that could exist in this place because it's cut off from here, and it's cut off from here, and it's cut off from here, and it's cut off from here. And there's all these ways in which only a certain thing will fit in that white space. And even though you do not have this data, you still have this data. And in uh, being able to do that <clears throat> requires a lot of interconnectivity of information. And the interconnectivity of information is something that is actually missing to some extent in brains that are more capable of that specialization more following that linear path uh, and so is that that the uh, okay so here we have two dragons and, and this is also I love this picture because it, it, it has multiple concepts in it one of them is the the fact that there is that uh, multiple layers of meaning can exist in the same information but it specifically is showing here that there is something made up in the white space the white space creates the face whereas you could you could you can look at it and only see dragons. It is very possible to only see dragons. But then there's also, there is a perspective that there is a face in there. Now, of course, that does lead to uh, errors. There is, I understand there is, you can see false patterns. I've brought this out numerous times as well. But the point is, it is an ability that tends to be lacking to a certain extent because of the inability to see the whole thing at once. Which There's a great anecdote about it. When she first brought, bought this poster for me, she had it in a roll, and she rolled out the, the it, it, and all, all I could see at first was the dragons, and, I, and she just kind of rolled it out and was showing it to me. And all I saw, because I didn't see the whole thing at once, all I saw was the dragons. I was like, oh, that's a nice poster, you know. And then, and, the, and it wasn't until the whole thing was open that I'm like, oh, holy shit, there it is, you know. And because I could only see, I was so one disappointed little, at first, right. <laughs> I guess she thought I'd love it, and she's right. But the, but the thing is, she was only showing me a little bit at a time. I could only see a little bit of the picture at a time. That's like in your brain, if your brain doesn't connect a lot of sets of information, you're only seeing one part of it at a time, and you're not seeing all of it at the same time. And this is um, this is actually curable because uh, what, no, I won't get into that right now. But <clears throat> the point is, there is the amount of data that is analyzed simultaneously. Uh, in a certain way is crucially important to the to the way in which we pattern recognize. I was only capable of recognizing the dragons because I could not see the whole picture at once. And because I only saw them a little bit at a time, even once I saw the whole thing, I wasn't putting it together immediately because of 
because I followed each little piece along the way and I, and put together the dragons, I, I even once the whole thing was open for a while, I didn't see the face. It was only after looking at it again later that's that I was able to instead of being led by each part of the dragon that I saw, you know, the piece that, that was right there in front of me, being led by that, I could not see the white space pattern. And so that is something that is a weakness that exists in, in in the conservative perspective is the the specialization leads to this weakness uh and so th that's one of the things i wanted to to point out is that that is something that um we should always we recognize the weakness in uh, like I've, I've, i think i've pointed out a lot of the liberal weaknesses when it comes to to you know false pattern recognition when it comes to um uh basically not being able to uh, being stuck in analysis paralysis, not moving forward, vacillating too much between various choices instead of picking one and actually making something happen. Like, you know, there's a, a lot of different things we can see that is a deficit mm -hmm. with one side, but we it's it, the deficits of the other side don't freaking matter if you're trying to improve yourself. The deficits within yourself is what matter and what you should be focused on if you're attempting to improve yourself. If you're just trying to improve other people, well, you just kind of fucking up anyways <laughs> if you but it's it's about trying to find those things in yourself that you can look at and find and the other thing of course is a poor theory of mind it is just it's a uh there is we have to accept that there is a lack of ability to empathize and this is one thing uh, well there's two different kinds of empathy and that is the autistic version of empathy and Real empathy, and I want to I want to point out the difference between the two. So it's something I put some some thought into because it was something that I kind of did. And in one case, it's like, oh yeah, it's like yeah, I can put myself in another person's shoes. Yeah, I can do that. Everybody can do that. Who can't do that? And this is what happens with a person who has a poor theory of mind is they don't understand. There's two ways to put yourself in another's shoes, and that is overriding their personality, overriding their situation, overriding all of that with your personality and your situation, and and then only and then comparing that to the one singular thing or or that is being examined. So what I mean by this is that you're instead of their context of their life and all the things that surround them that aren't immediately visible, you're instead saying, if I were them, I wouldn't do X. So you're examining that one, I wouldn't do X from entirely from your perspective. You are not, you are not putting yourself in their shoes, even though it appears that you are, you have this delusion that you are because you are imputing and overriding their actual situation. Whereas being in their shoes is the capability of modeling not being you and being somebody who has had to experience this and this and this and this and this and this and look at it from that perspective in other words being able to create in your mind a perspective that you don't currently have based on i believe like for instance if you think something is likely uh, that happens automatically to you. You just kind of think that things are likely and think, um, some things are unlikely. But to be able to empathize, you need to be able to feel as though this thing that you normally think is likely is very unlikely or vice versa. You need to be able to understand what it is like to have experienced the life experiences of that person. And this is something that people who are on the spectrum aren't doing and they think they are. They're not but they think they are. They're just fucking certain they are, but they're not. Uh, and one of the ways in which 
people uh, actually gain empathy a lot of times is through reading novels. What you'll find is people who are a lot more moderate, I believe that they start out, you know, a lot more conservative a lot of times. And then through reading novels and basically really putting themselves in the perspective of a mind that has to make these weird decisions, uh, it ends up like I think I think one of the things that really started leading me in that direction was uh, reading the uh, fantasy series, uh, the Elric fantasy series, the by Michael Moorcock. Fantasy reading literally means right. Uh, Elric of um, Melnibone. I don't know. The, the point is, it's the the Elric series. And in it, he is, he, he, he tells you these circumstances, of all these weird, fuck, just fucked up circumstances where Elric has to make these just shitty, just shitty fucking decisions. They're horrible. And from an outside perspective, if you did not know his perspective, you would see him as a villain. And reading extensively about a person who is forced by circumstances and where you're like, yeah, I'd make that given the circumstances mm -hmm. and the only logic available and the only thing I would make that shit decision too. Cause it's the only shit decision that you can even make there. And then you follow down a path of shitty decision after shitty decision that is created by the circumstances. And that is empathy where you see a person who you would normally see as a complete fucking villain. Mm -hmm. And instead you're like, yeah, but he's a villain not of his own making. Uh, yes, he is a villain, but but he didn't have any other rational decision to make. He couldn't have... There was nothing else he could fucking do. Being able to have that perspective is, uh, is what actual empathy is. It is not imputing who I am on you and, and pretending you've had all the same advantages. You have, uh, you know, uh, a completely... It, it, and that's the all thing that morals. right all the same morals all the same ideas all the same you know experiences you know it's a uh, it, and that's what that, that's what people think walking a mile in another person's shoes is when they are too too far to the conservative side and understanding understanding this I think is 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 really valuable in making very conservative people into moderates and and, and truthfully I believe that's where 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 the power lies in all of this is because you know and, and the funny thing is i'm not sure okay i i know how to bring somebody who's who's got a structured uh, mind and make it um you know uh and where they're, they're really uh you know more pedantic and more artistic and, and things like that because i've been there i know how to go more towards the middle uh with that i I really don't know how to when when somebody comes from a perspective of where everything's chaos and nothing has a whole lot of value greater where they don't have a hierarchy of values and you know and they don't have a basis for truth. I don't know how to create organization in that mind and, and bring them. Right. I don't know like how. To, I don't I, exactly. <laughs> I. You do know how to. And that's one of the things I think in child development, by the way. Yeah. In, in, yeah, yeah you, what, know, you know how to raise children from a sort of like, oh my God, everything's a soup and, and, into and, a and rational the, thing. Well, the important thing, though, for a child, for instance, is that like, they need. One of the things that I, if a child does not have strong borders when they are first growing up, that the terrible twos, what it's all about is they're testing their borders. They're trying to find out, is there any truth in the world? Is anything solid? If I push here, does it push back or is it just, okay, nothing there? Oh, shit, nothing there? Well, uh, how do I push myself around in this world? 
uh, of and when it comes to the rules and, the, and my interactions with other people, or is it all just what I feel in a, in a given moment and just trying to, you know, is it all just about what I feel, you know, or is there some sort of hard borderlines? Mm-hmm. And I think that and children think that, that are given a, a structured upbringing and that is, is very rule-based and, and things like that, I think that is extremely valuable for their minds because then after that, then they can start to see all the exceptions to the rules. Then they can start to you know, address all of the uh, all the ambiguity of life. But I think without a grounding in that, if they start right out with everything in life is ambiguous and there is no well, truth, re- research and there is no... proves you're right. I mean, there, the, yeah. children need a, a stable sort of rules, discipline type of thing. Uh, and so I think it's life. I think it's harder. For a person to go not at unloving like dickish rules, not talking right, about right. abuse. We're talking about you know basically just like okay, you can't do this, you can't do that. Basically just loving a hard but swift line. discipline and right. you know uh, swift, very immediate, di- specific, very clear, distinct, un- unemotional. Of well, the, well, the yeah. biggest the biggest thing that people do wrong with with child rearing is they they discipline based on their emotional state. I they, they, whether it's they've and annoyed them have, enough right. or pissed them have off enough to punish them enough. instead of. Instantly, the rule is broken. Instantly, there is the there is this moderate, you know, uh, well known exact punishment. Specific. Understanding of why you're being punished. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I remember. I remember my son coming and confessing to me when he done wrong. I'm like, (laughs) and wanting, wanting to to uh, to have some sort of punishment. I was like, no, it's not necessary. You understood? You did wrong. (laughs) It's great. But uh, but I but I guess the point is is like. It seems like it would be harder to come from a perspective of not having any basis for truth, not having any basis for reality, and then accepting that there are certain hierarchies and there are valuable systems and think one thing works better than another and things have to be assembled in a way that will work. It is and, fundamental and, you know. for people's happiness, which is why women have been steadily unhappy since the 80s, I'm just saying. <laughs> And, and so, so I don't know how to I'm how to get that. Year. How do you get somebody who's completely unstructured to understanding structure? You seems harder no, than no, taking. No, no, I know. You just antigens. There's only one thing you can do. Antigens. Actually, that's that's helpful for both sides. Yeah. But, okay. Now, now you can end it. Was, right. I just wanted to finish with that. That's cool. Um, I am going to probably try to advertise this in the beginning of our podcast. But um, yeah, we have an after show with patrons. So become a patron. And you can be part of the after show. And we're going to answer questions and talk more about various points raised. And we also have a special video we're going to watch. It's a TED Talk on morality and it's neat. So we're going to do that with patrons now on Patreon. Uh, all you got to do is become a patron. And <laughs> you can join us on Patreon. The um, Hangout is right there. It's the most recent update that's going to be on there. And uh, keep an eye on my patreon as well for the show notes and the links and the audio version of this podcast coming in the next few weeks thank you for joining us and we'll see you guys for our call-in show in a week or so and then for the next cherry stone next month in march okay